Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So you know how yesterday I told you that we were considering adopting two dogs? (laughs) Yeah. Are they in your house? Not yet. Are they on their way? I meet them today. Oh, have we settled on Tater and Tot? I am pretty sure that's where we're going to go. But Jared said, I can't decide on a name until I like see See them them. and Mm -hmm. like make sure it suits them. But Mm -hmm. I feel like Tater and Tot is just adorable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the one bit of update that I have surprised by because I've seen pictures and some of the pictures don't totally match up in my mind. So I'm like, at first we thought they weren't related at all. And then the second set of pictures, we thought they were siblings. And when I actually talked to people today, they think they were actually breeding partners. And so then they wouldn't be siblings. Right. But then that just makes the whole situation all the more sad. So they probably had several litters and they were like past their prime to have more puppies. And so they just stuck them on the street. (laughs) (laughs) So they have been spayed and neutered. But we see them today at five and I have a strong feeling we're going to have two. You're going to come home with them. If you see them today, can you bring them home today? Yes. Because they've been medically and behaviorally cleared, so. Well, I can't wait to meet Tater and Tot. (laughs) Jared's like, well, if they're breeding partners and not siblings, like, do you feel like we still would need to take both? And I was like, they're like life partners. They're like married. (laughs) They're lifelong partners. (laughs) Sweet babies. Oh, well, I can't wait to meet them. I don't have an update, but I do have my first ever Probably not first ever in real life, but first ever that someone has messaged me about this. Oh. Uh, corrections Corner. 
for something that I said at some point ages ago. So I don't know at one point, but we were talking about like produce and like washing your fruits and veggies. Yeah. And I said something about how like blueberries are disgusting because like they're covered in that like haze and that like waxy film and you should wash them. And if you wash them, they're like actually really, really dark blue. This could still be true for like if you're buying blueberries from the grocery store and if you don't know where they're coming from and you don't truly know what's on them. But someone reached out and was like, hey, by the way, like I grow my own blueberries at home and I know what goes on them and my blueberries have that on there. And it's just a natural kind of like protectant for the blueberries since they're so soft and it's totally fine. And even on organic farms, you can find that on your blueberries. So if you have waxy stuff on your blueberries, it may or may not be gross. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely am a fan of washing your produce either way. Yes. The amount of fruit specifically that is literally like coated in wax is insane to me. Apples, I feel like is something. And I recently heard that. And I don't, I haven't like followed up on this. So I don't know how much of the U S market it would be, but apparently a lot of oranges are dyed. Yeah like the rinds yeah they look more appealing yeah yeah which is just crazy it's bananas (laughs) and bananas also are bananas (laughs) i know yes but thank you so much they were super kind when they reached out so thank you for not being rude to me and letting me know that waxiness is okay i would love to grow blueberries in our yard my cousin has them in her yard in out in independence amy you know her yeah And she has so much produce. So much produce. She's just like the best gardener. And her blueberries are finally coming in and they're just like coming in hot. Now, someone should DM us about this because there is, we will need to have a follow up to this fruit conversation. (laughs) Because there is some fruit that you want to wash like immediately when you come home. But there is also some that you don't want to wash until right before you eat it. Yeah. It'll actually cause it to spoil faster. Like raspberries. Like if you wash all your whole thing of raspberries and aren't immediately eating them, it can cause them to go bad super fast. They'll go mushy. Yeah, they're mushy. Yeah. So you gotta wash them like I would assume that's raspberries. It's probably mostly berries that you wouldn't, but I don't know. But somebody knows more about produce. Let us know. Let us know. (laughs) Okay. So today I want to talk to you about our hot take on goals. And I want to talk about kind of the evolution of our feelings towards goals and setting them and not setting them and our worthiness connected to goals. And now that I'm I'm sure there's going to be another evolution, but I feel like, you know, seven years into business, hitting the milestones that we've hit our business, doing the things that it's done. I've been able now with lenses, right. To look back with hindsight and see the journey of our relationship to goals and goal setting and really like pick out some themes around it. And I do think that there is a mindset shift required for six-figure earners who want to continue to grow or scale that needs to happen in your relationship with goals. And I saw a really cool thing today on TikTok that like inspired this conversation. And so I want to talk about it. Yeah. I think initially it's really natural to set goals to push yourself. Mm -hmm. But once you hit a certain point in business, I think in a lot of ways goals 
can deter your progress, especially if you're setting yourself up for failure where you're Mm -hmm. making your goal too aggressive and then you're consistently not hitting. Well, and the thing that I'm like thematically looking back on in the different phases of our goals and goal setting. So just to give you the really quick rundown, we were heavy goal focused year, like one through three. We loved making goals. We had a whole worksheet around goals. We would sit down every month, every quarter, and at the end of every year and look back and do the goals. It made us feel great. It was wonderful. It kept us moving forward. It was inspirational. It was amazing. And then a shift happened where the goal setting was really difficult. It wasn't fun anymore. It didn't give us because the, the numbers like, kept lying to us. We kept lying. Like it was just a whole thing. And then it shifted again because then we didn't have anything to aim for. And then it shifted again as the company grew and the motivation changed. Sure. And so looking back on that, what I can at least see within those first one to three years and your time frame, it could be different. It could be your first six months. It could be your first five years. Like the time frame is irrelevant. But in my opinion, goals like are kind of like a yes, no situation. So like setting a goal to like, actually, if you want to leave your full-time job, replace your income with your own business. Okay. Set that as a goal. Like do that. You can do that. The the amount of time frame it's going to take, it doesn't matter. Like do it or don't. Did it happen or did it not? Great. Okay. Well then setting a goal to like land a certain amount of clients. Like it's just a very like, did this happen or did it not kind of thing. But as your business grows and evolves, and especially after you are like consistently hitting 10K months, you're a six-figure business owner, and you're wondering, what do I do after this? What's the point? What's the purpose? We struggle with figuring out setting a benchmark of a milestone if the thing doesn't actually matter. Like you leaving and that job replacing your income mattered. Like that was a huge thing. That was a huge life altering milestone for you to reach. You maybe even hitting your first six figures, you landing consistent clients, you being able to hire your first person. Like those are huge, huge things. And as soon as like business is bigger and maybe even making more money, but like you're making much smaller moves now, it feels different. And so our perspective of goal setting changes. Well, and I also think part of this is just driven by cultural influences. So I think you are used to hearing about these big corporate annual reports and earnings reports and like these big corporations talking about profit and progress. But these are publicly traded companies Mm -hmm. in which they have to report to stakeholders. And, you know, once you grow past a certain point, there's not a lot of representation in your range of Mm -hmm. business. And so you end up either looking, you go backwards and like go back to the things you know, or you look so much further down the road to maybe even to a point that you're not even really interested in going. And you're like, what is the part that makes sense for me in the stage Mm -hmm. I'm at today? And so the problem with modeling kind of the annual report style earnings, like goals and objectives and that kind of thing is that that is driven by the business proving to the people that have invested within the business that it is in fact a good investment and people Mm -hmm. should stay invested Mm -hmm. in the business. Mm -hmm. And when you are essentially the only stakeholder in the business 
who are you trying to prove anything to? And Mm -hmm. so I think that's the problem is like society tells us that we have to be growing all the time or we have to be reaching X thing. And in a lot of ways, like once you've checked all the boxes with life of like school and marriage and kids and house and whatever, it's like you run out of like boxes to check. I think that the same thing happens in business where you're like, I left my job and I hit six figures and I built this thing. And now what? Now what? And, well, and then I think it's dangerous because then you just pick something to aim for to do when like it could absolutely not be the thing that your business actually needs. Or that you even want or the Mm -hmm. lifestyle that you want to like go after. And so if you can worry less (laughs) about that and focus more on what do you want to aim for that feels in alignment with who you are and where you're going. And, you know, for I think for a lot of you, money is going to take you to a certain point. And then at some point, the money becomes less motivating because it's not going to shift your lifestyle enough for you to have strong feelings about it. And so then you're going to have to find something else to pull on to Mm -hmm. motivate you to move on to that next level. And some of you will immediately land on what that's going to be. And a lot of you are going to struggle to figure out Other than the like challenge of I want to keep like growing and pursuing more. Okay. Like you like a challenge. Great. Love that. But like aside from you just wanting to be better, like Mm -hmm. what are you actually aiming for? Well, and I think it's really interesting because it's like, I think, you know, there's a big debate between whether people are actual entrepreneurs or if you're a small business owner and there are like different actual definitions of what those could be. And I think a lot of people kind of poo-poo the I'm not an entrepreneur kind of thing because you're just comparing it to like the super masculine space that entrepreneurship has kind of like morphed into. But like, I truly think one of the motivating factors behind people who have gotten to a a healthy plateau in their business and they don't know what to do next and why they either like kind of forced, like accidentally slide back or they start a new venture within that same business that feels like they're starting over is because like the worthiness and the high that you get from checking off those and I say, quote unquote, easy to maintain goals or achieve goals, not maintain, but to achieve that makes us feel better than maintaining something that we've already built and designed. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't scratch the same itch, that entrepreneurial itch that some people call it because you're like, you're getting something off the ground for the first time and you're reaching this goal for the first time and you're doing this thing over here for the first time. The accolades that you get from yourself and from strangers for doing those things makes us want to continue to go back to doing those things. And we sometimes do it at the detriment of our actual current business. And I want to remind you that those desires are not, they are literally part of your DNA. Like you, you are seeking oxytocin and serotonin and like, when you are accomplishing things, you are literally bursting your body with Mm -hmm. hormones that Mm -hmm. make you addicted to doing them, which is why Asana has little fucking unicorns that fly across the screen. (laughs) my favorite. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Keeps you motivated, keeps you engaged Mm -hmm. in the software. Right. And, you know, in the same way that like you go to 
a casino and there's all these flashing lights and like things spinning around. It's to keep you engaged and keep you motivated. And when all of a sudden your business becomes more the same than new, Mm -hmm. like that stuff slows down. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage you to start to imagine you shifting, like shifting away the goal chasing and only because if you stay addicted to that game, I really think you're going to cycle. You're going to build to a certain point, then you're going to break it because you don't know how to break past that point. And so then you start over and you may build something new, build a different arm or whatever, and you're going to end up in a cycle that is exhausting. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I find that most people, they hit a certain point in their business and they want to do less and they don't know how to remove themselves. And I'm Mm -hmm. not suggesting... Because I know if you want to totally remove yourself, that's one conversation. I think for the majority, they don't necessarily want to completely remove themselves, but they don't necessarily want to be in like every email to a client. Right. You know, they don't want to be delivering every deliverable for the client. They want to be involved but they don't necessarily want to be responsible for everything that moves out the door, Mm -hmm. which I really think inspires this next phase because once you've hit six figures, I know it depends on the person, depends on the service. I think most people on their own or maybe like with one admin or one part-time person, they can probably get to 250,000 by themselves. Yeah. But to crest much past that, you're going to need more help. You're going to need better systems. You're going to need different things that are driving the business forward. And if the goal is to train people appropriately, create an ethical culture, really refine what you're offering so you can focus more on a specialty instead of just delivering whatever a client throws your way, set better boundaries. Boundary setting is huge. (laughs) then I think you're going to have to have something else that drives you. And I know when Emily hopped on, she was like, I think it's so much more about objectives than it is goals. So talk to me about how you feel like those things are different. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is, and the way that this was described in the TikTok was that like, so this person doesn't set goals anymore because they, they were explaining how like, there's really only one of two options. You either don't reach the goal and you're disappointed, your self-esteem takes a hit, you maybe pivot away when like you could have just like tried something different or in like sometimes it's really hard to stay in the mindset when goals aren't hit, right? Been there, done that, right? Or you hit the goal. And that's great, but like 99.9% of us don't celebrate us hitting the goal and accept hitting the goal for what it is or for what it means and then now you just like you reached it and now you're good. Like that is just not a reality for very many of us. And so what's the actual point? Because then you stop and then you set another goal. So you're just like always working towards goals with no end in sight. So they were looking at it and rephrasing it more of objectives without limitations. And so another example he gave was something like, okay, so say you set the goal and you reach the goal. Great. But like, because you knew what the goal was going to be, you only worked to reach that goal. And what if instead you had allowed the objective to shine and that goal, the goal, the end result could have looked like anything. And it could have been bigger than you could have ever imagined because you let it shape itself and you were just like walking towards and evolving towards the objective that you set for yourself. So the question he asked, and this one really, really stuck with me. Why start something with the end already in mind? Yeah. And we talk a lot about designing and intentionally living in a life first business. And part of that means enjoying the journey, not just a business building, because sometimes it's not enjoyable, like going to be real with you. But in the same sense that sometimes marriage isn't enjoyable or parenthood isn't enjoyable or being a human isn't enjoyable, like that's not just in an instance of business. 
But if we're all here to enjoy literal life and enjoy the journey and let things evolve as they are meant to be for us, can we not like leave the door open for what those possibilities could look like instead of being so laser focused on one thing and it looking like one thing only? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can think of a very specific time last fall where Emily and I turned away from goals. We weren't setting any sort of specific thing in mind. We just knew we, and we kept like going to like evolution. Mm-hmm. And we had been doing this long before this, but I think we went into this new season with like an intention of mm-hmm. we're evolving. We are going to change how we're offering something. We're going to build it in this way. But instead of putting a cap on it, instead of saying, I want to hit this, I want to make this objective. I want to bring on this many clients, whatever. It was, how can we set the framework Mm -hmm. so that this can be the most successful that it can be? Like, what would it look like to just set it up for success, Mm -hmm. not to set it up for limitations, which Mm -hmm. I think is often what you end up doing. And and how many times have we decided to intentionally go about a launch or a hire or a strategy in a way that felt in alignment for us. And the end result was something we couldn't have even imagined would happen because we did it with our values first, with fun first, with ease first, with whatever. Right. And we're like, well, we want to do it this way. This is how we want it to feel, how we want it to look, how we want it to be. And whatever happens, happens. I think the surprising thing though, with this specific instance was that because there was a lack of ceiling or limitation put on it, we ended up doubling the business Mm -hmm. in like under three months, but technically within a matter of a couple short weeks, like we'd been setting it up for months for success and then like did the thing. Because our objective was to grow. That was it. We said this year we're intentionally growing. We don't necessarily know how that's going to look. We didn't say it's going to be from this product with this percent. It's going to look like this. We said this is a growth year. We're going to intentionally put the strategy and the work and the brain power behind growing. And we're going to see what happens. And we're going to grow our way and the way that feels in alignment for us and the way that's in alignment with our values. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I, I think when you remove some of the boundaries and you create this looser, more like fluidity, I think it gives you more opportunities to not feel directed down one path. Because I think early on in business, you know, you look at numbers, you look at reports, you're like, okay, if I want to go from here to here, I need X. Mm -hmm. And which could mean X number of discovery calls or X number of leads or whatever. And that absolutely gets you through those earlier stages of business because it is necessary. And I do think there's a simple math. (laughs) Right. I think there's a tipping point where it becomes less, it's not that it's less simple, but because you've built stability, you have more options. And so if you worry less about it being a number or, looking a certain way, you can pay attention to these like guideposts along the way, the signs you're getting. And this isn't all just like intuitive. Like this is like 
actual data that's coming at you Mm -hmm. as well. And you can make these little micro movements back and forth. And often you land in a spot that you would never have expected. Like Mm -hmm. thinking about where we are today compared Mm -hmm. to a year ago. I I couldn't. The best stories, and we have said this more than once in our business, and I hope to continue saying it forever. I wouldn't have even had the words to say that this is what it could have looked like because I didn't know. No. Because each opportunity that you leave open, like a slight crack of the window here, not shutting this door over here, you let the like flow of energy to just like shift and evolve for you in the way that aligns with the eventual objective instead of being such a straight and narrow on you have to reach this goal. It reminds me of when we had someone say to us, oh, this is like four or five years ago at this point. But they were like, it was something like, if you want $10 million or whatever, if you want a million dollars, it doesn't have to just come from your business. Your business doesn't have to be the only way that you get $10 million. And in my head, I was so laser focused on if I want this financial goal, monetary goal, whatever it is, it has to come from this thing right here. And now that I've just like opened myself up to what life could look like and how it could look like to get there, (laughs) it's just a lot lighter and it's a lot freer and it's a lot more creative. It is a lot more creative. Now, I will say if you have listened to previous episodes, we have talked more about setting OKRs and moving your team from task focus to outcome focus. And one of the things I want to just like put out there is that the fluidity we're talking about, the leaning into what's happening, that needs to happen at the leadership level. Yes. Great clarification. Because if you put this like messy middle mm-hmm. on your team, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. would be a shit show. Mm-hmm. So you you can have this level of fluidity. On the team level, you need to have very clear objectives that they're yep. working towards. Benchmarks, milestones, goals even. <laughs> yes. And so now I think the key thing here is because you are seeing the business as more fluid, if someone on your team doesn't hit an objective, you can create the work environment where that is not detrimental to their Mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they are not punished for not hitting something. But instead, you view it as we've talked a lot about that experimental mindset, you view it as an opportunity, and you learn from it, and you move forward. So on the team level, you can define this specificity. And I think you can do some stuff on an annualized basis, but I encourage you to review every two to three months with your team and have something that they're more lasered in on for a shorter period of time, like Mm -hmm. a 90 day sprint, because you're not necessarily going to like massively change things within 90 days. You might start working towards the next thing, but you're not necessarily going to change course Right. So much so that if they continue working on this thing, that it's going to derail where you're going. You need to go listen to episode 649 and 650. It's a two-part series on what does it mean as a leader to develop an experimental mindset? And then how do you take that mindset and craft a culture of curiosity within your team? And it's that right there where 
you're setting the overall objective of like, this is where I want the business to go, where I want the company to go, how I want it to feel, what our values are, whatever. You're deciding all of that. And then it is your job to break down within, you don't have to set all of them. If you have leadership, if you have department heads, whatever, bring these people in. But it's your job to kind of break down within the team members that you have. How are those team members going to help be responsible for you moving the needle towards that objective within their own skill set? Yes. You want them to have Mm buy-in and be excited about the direction. I think this is where it's important that you pour your vision into the team. But because you didn't assign it to look a certain way, if someone has a strategy on how to achieve X over here and just after a month, two or three months, it's just clearly not working, then pick a different strategy, try something different. Like the objective can still remain the same, but how you decided to get there maybe just wasn't the right one right now. Right, right. I, I'm just excited for y'all to put this on because I think it's really easy to just think you have to continue to have so much rigidity as you grow. But what I love is that like, I really think if you've built your business in a sustainable way, in a way that's going to you know, have some stiffness through the the hard times. Cause I, I think you, not that you can't evolve or not that you don't have to when economy changes or when marketing the market changes, changes buying behavior change. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to have to make pivots, but if you can build the stability where you can be more fluid in your day to day, the stress reduction we're talking yep. about, the, feeling less tied to where you're going. Like it's just so much easier. And how many conversations have you had with people in the DMs who are so they share their end goal with you. This is how much money I want to make per month or at the end of the year or whatever. And then they share how they want to get there and how they've already tried it and it hasn't worked. And so we open up a new opportunity. Well, like you could go down this path or you try this on for size. And like, that's like our only job in the DM is to just present opportunities and for you to try them on for size and see how it feels. And the amount of people who've come back and who've just been like, no, I'm dead set on doing this in order to achieve that. And I think it's that like rigidness that successful multiple six-figure earners don't have, aren't locked into because it is your job to ebb and flow and evolve with what your environment is telling you, what your body is telling you, what your team is telling you, what your clients are telling you. And you have to disseminate all of that information. But I truly don't understand intentionally going out on your own, being your own boss and living by these rigid rules that you don't have to make or follow. Yeah. And I think a way to kind of open it up for you so that you can start to see that this is truly, in my opinion, this is what is happening in leadership in much larger businesses. I want you to think about some of the biggest businesses in the world. Think about Google. Think about Amazon. Think about Apple. I want you to think about where they started. Like Amazon started as a bookstore, an online bookstore. 
what is Amazon today? It is an entire micro economy. Mm-hmm. It is shipping products around the world at record speeds. Mm-hmm. But do you think they started with that? Or like imagine that that's where they were going? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you that leadership was looking at opportunities and taking advantage of them over mm-hmm. and over and over mm-hmm. again. And yes, absolutely. With more capital, you have more options on your place, yes. but that's not the point here. But the, you don't also have to have capital to have options or be open. No, to you no that's you you have more options than you realize. Mm-hmm. But you've you've put this like rigidity on the direction and the mm-hmm. path. And don't be the blockbuster. Be the Netflix. <laughs> right. Like also, you should read that book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was that book called again? It was written by the founders of. It doesn't work. It's broken. It's <laughs> hold on. I'll hold pull up my good <laughs> It has a funny name. It does have a funny name. This isn't working. It, mm. this- <laughs> I love that you're <laughs> trying so hard. I'm seconds away. That okay. will never work. Hey, that was so close. <laughs> the birth of Netflix and the amazing life of an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark by Mark Randolph. And I think it's a great illustration of. Yeah, have an idea and you're trying to take advantage of a market and you're also having to constantly evolve to just like handle things. I just, I want you guys to feel more at ease that it can look a thousand different ways Mm -hmm. and you can feel the same way in many of the paths. Yep. Yep. That is also key. I just want to release you if you have, you know ick around goals and you have been someone like me who's beat themselves up about not achieving them and also not giving yourself credit when you do achieve them because they don't mean anything and they don't actually change anything. If that's the relationship you have with goals, I highly am encouraging you to consider ditching them this year, ditching them for next year, and instead look at objectives. Don't put any limitations on what it could look like and lean more into your company values, your core values, how you want it to feel what you want it to look like and be open to the opportunities of what it could look like for you to get there and continue to live in that objective. Cause that's also part of it. This isn't just checking it and moving on. It's living and maintaining and curating. How can that objective continue to serve you and serve other people? Now, if this message resonated with you and you're a six figure earner and you're not sure what next looks like, and you want help exploring what those paths are, I encourage you to submit an application at bossproject.com slash incubator, and then send us a DM over at Boss Project. I want to hear more about where you're at. Where is your business today? Where have you considered going in the future? And let's talk about it. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.